I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Do you guys ever get tired of cooking? Yeah. Yeah, of course. There are times where it's not fun because, you know, it's a job. What right. gets exhausting is having to cook and take notes. So like when you're like developing a recipe. Mm-hmm. Right. Being right. able to cook and not have to worry about getting the lighting right so you can take a photo is a completely different type of cooking. And it feels freeing when you can just... Cook for the sake of cooking. Well, you're, I mean, the two of you are a veritable internet food power couple. So I think that's the life you signed up for. <laughs> loosely, loosely using, using terms like power couple over here. You got uh, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and then Ham and Solo right, 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 right next below. to each other. <laughs> this is the sport. Well, that sounded too, that sounded like it's aggressive. Too, that yeah, was a little aggressive, and oh, I get a little. This is the sparkful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I was like one octave too high. I feel like I got to bring it down just a little. All right, ready. This is the sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Joining me now are two very special guests. They are chefs. They are YouTube personalities. Sola and Ham El Whaley. Hey, Sola and Ham. Hello. Hey, Dan. <laughs> is that the appropriate sound, response? You didn't sound quite as fired up as I did, that's all. Well, it was, I don't want to, you know, upstage you on your own show. You just came up with so much fire. I think it'll it'll take me a while to get up to that level. I need to ramp up a bit. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Solo, you've been on the show a couple of times via Zoom. We've become texting buddies. You're one of my first pasta testers. But this is our first time meeting in person. Yeah. And Ham, you and Sola are married, and you started hosting videos together. So first, let's just hang out. Let's chat a bit about the two of you, your work together. And then later on, we're going to take a call from a married couple having some food-related relationship issues. We'll see if we can help them out. But first, so the two of you met in culinary school. Tell me about those early days in culinary school. Like like you two locked eyes over a, a, a carcass you were learning to butcher or something like that? Like what happened? We met in the smoking gazebo. <laughs> We've, smoking gazebo? Yeah, we both used to smoke, and they wanted to contain the smokers. By oh, you weren't giving... smoking meats. You were smoking cigarettes. Cigarettes. I just pictured a beautiful gazebo with well, trellises you're... and flowers and, like, hunks of meat hanging. The smoking gazebo <laughs> is, not, is not elegant. It is disgusting. <laughs> Yet we found romance. Okay, so what happened? We both connected over the same cookbook. We were both really into the Alinea cookbook. Ham was reading it in the smoking gazebo, and I was like, hey, oh, hey, I just got that, too. And then we talked about hydrocolloids, Hydro foams, what? hydrocolloids, xanthan gum, iota. Gelin. Ooh, gelin is the most romantic of all the hydrocolloids. <laughs> 
This is like molecular gastronomy stuff. Like you're talking uh-huh. about making foams and using the science to turn basic foods into complicated foods. What appealed to you about this approach to food? It was different. So much about food before that was just these French rules that you had to follow. You didn't know why. It was just, this is how you do it. If you don't make it like this, you are wrong. So Alinea and WD-50 and like these restaurants started popping up where the question of why became more important. Why do you do things this way? Is there a way to get a similar or better result by just cooking it a different way. That's still, that's how we think about food to this day. And then I think we further bonded. Well, we all had to pair up to write a report about a chef. And um, we were the only ones who wanted to write about Heston Blumenthal. He's like a British chef. He Was he one of the original molecular gastronomy guys? Is that why? He was really on the forefront of the modernist movement right. alongside Ferran and... Grant, because we're all on first name basis. <laughs> I'm just going to call him for on Grant right. and Heston. Heston. And like Heston Blumenthal had this series on BBC called In Search of Perfection. Oh, we, we loved, loved that. that show. Oh. We would just like, we would just cuddle up in the dorms on a small laptop and then just watch these episodes over and over and over again. And he would just take like a classic dish like spaghetti bolognese and make his like ideal version of it. And he'd go to Italy, do a bunch of research. So really getting into that why. So you're nerds. Yeah. Basically nerds. <laughs> we're, we're, we, we, bonded, we bonded over being nerds. Um, now you two host Mystery Menu, a YouTube series with New York Times cooking, where in each episode you get a mystery ingredient and you have one hour to turn it into a meal. So I, w- I want to play a clip of the two of you trying to figure out what to make when the mystery ingredient turned out to be coffee beans. We mm. only have an hour. That leaves, like, freezing out of the question. I just got a second thought. Mole. Oh, yeah. That's Do a better. coffee mole. Coffee mole. Yeah, that sounds good. Pressure cooking the coffee. Do you think we can pressure cook it in milk or it'll burn? I think the milk will burn. Okay. Just pressure cook it in water and then do, like, a rice pudding thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll cook down the milk separately. Oh, And then add the beans to that so it has, That's like, a cool. rice pudding vibe and we have it with the pineapple. That's okay. a cool idea. We did it. We did it. Okay, there's a plan. There's a plan. Okay. We can do that in an hour. We can do that in an hour, for sure. How realistic is this to, like, your home life when you're deciding, like, what to make for dinner? That's what we do all the time. Yeah, it's actually pretty pretty realistic. It's 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 a good snapshot of what it's like when we try and figure out what to cook at home. Sometimes they're as elaborate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But are there ever things you disagree about? Yes, but we never, like, fight. The disagreements turn into conversations. And then if it's really, if we're, like, both really on two sides, we'll just make two things. And then do you eat in separate rooms? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sola, you also host the History Channel YouTube show Ancient Recipes, Mm -hmm. where you cook dishes from antiquity, using only the techniques that would have been available at the time. Mm-hmm. Are there any techniques that you've used in that show that you were like, I'm going to start doing it this way at home, even when I have full access to technology? There's this ancient, not ancient, I don't know, maybe it's like 400 years ago, a pie crust recipe. And instead of water, it's with egg whites, which was actually really cool because the pie crust baked up super crispy. You don't need to egg wash it. You don't need to par bake it. It naturally has this like anti-sog barrier because of the egg white. So that's kind of become a go-to way that I make pie crust now. I forgot I wanted to bring cookies. I'm trying to do this thing where every time I go see people in person, I take cookies. 
It's just like a lot to keep up with. <laughs> the goal is to like have cookie dough frozen and portioned in the freezer. So if something comes up, you just need to preheat the oven, throw them on a tray, and then you've got cookies. But we haven't gotten to that stage of organization in our lives. I mean, that's a very admirable goal. What kind of cookies would you have made me if you had made cookies? Um, I really like making trash candy cookies. Okay. So, like, all of the fun candies from CVS. Got it. Inside of a cookie. Love it. Like, mini M&Ms, which you can buy in bulk at CVS. <laughs> Old Easter candy. You know, like, all the Halloween candy that's on sale. Right. Just shove it in there. It's a great way to have fun on a budget. Get all of the sale candy. I saved the Valrona chips for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you like better, regular size M&Ms or mini M&Ms? Mini, because I prefer the higher ratio. Candy shell. But I know you don't like mini M&Ms because you don't like that, right? I, 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 this, that ratio displeases me. You know what I think it is? I think if, if mini M&Ms were called something else, I would like them. Really? If I judge them as their own candy, I would like them because I, I do I love crunch. Mm -hmm. And so a big mouthful of those with a lot of candy shell and a lot of crunch and a hint of chocolate, I'd probably uh -huh. be totally on board. Mm -hmm. But most of my M&M consumption comes mixed into ice cream. No, I hate chocolate and ice cream. Yeah. What? Because cold chocolate is so – you don't get the, the flavor of the cocoa. It's true, but – well, because you're eating mini M&M's. Well, it also it, turns waxy. It gets I waxy. feel like it gets waxy and gross. Like, you don't get any of those nice aromatics. The best thing about eating a really nice piece of chocolate is that slow melt, and then it coats your palate, and you're like, ooh, baby, I got some chocolate in my mouth. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I mean, I, I think you two both have more developed palates than I have. I'm mostly in it for the crunch. I'm a texture eater. Mm -hmm. Probably more than flavor. So, the cookie that right now I'm obsessed with... I'm currently calling them Lisa Frank cookies, mini M&Ms, so many uh, rainbow sprinkles, and then you roll it in rainbow sprinkles. And so when you bite into it, it's like you're just eating a mouthful of sugar. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> but it's painful. Like, you have to immediately brush your teeth. <laughs> I sometimes, summertime, you know, ice cream truck season, and the thing that I crave from it is just like a vanilla or a swirl cone with sprinkles. Mm -hmm. And frankly, once it's out of sprinkles, the soft serve isn't that great. Sometimes I'll just eat the top off and throw the rest out. <laughs> that is uh... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Wait, do you get it in a cone? Yeah. Do you eat the cone? Nah, sometimes, not usually. It's, it's so bland. It's not crunchy enough. It's soggy. No, my favorite thing is, you know the flat bottom cone? Yes. How the bottom of it has like a grid. Yes, like the I-beams. And for then, structural support. Exactly. And when you get to the end, mm -hmm. you get this little, it's like a tiny waffle. Mm -hmm. And the holes are filled with ice cream. Pop that in your mouth. If we still had a restaurant, I would want that to be a petty for. <laughs> That's genius. But do you worry, Sola, with that dish, the, the, the vertical walls of interior cone support would cut the roof of your mouth? I think that's part of the joy. You know, like that's why the sprinkle cookies are fun. They completely destroy your mouth. I love this dessert, Sola. I feel like if we opened a restaurant together, we would be on the same page because I want to have a dessert at my fictional restaurant that is um, table side Rice Krispie Treats. 
Oh, oh, that's a good idea. That's that a is good a great, idea. Great, great Instead idea. of guacamole. Yes, yes. yes. That is Someone such a good idea. Someone rolls out a cart with an induction burner. Yes, yeah. yes. And it should be mixed in a little pot and then served in that pot so that you can scrape the bottom of the pot Ooh. to uh-huh. get the really crispy, gooey, yeah. still warm bits of Rice Krispie Treat. That's the best part. That is such a good idea. <laughs> you should open a restaurant just to make this happen. Let's go. Listen, mm-hmm. if the three of us join forces, we could probably get someone else to front the money. Yeah, we have no money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't help you with that. If yeah. that's why we're here, if this is a pitch for a restaurant, <laughs> we have very bad news for you. <laughs> All right. So you're both chefs. You both have opinions about food. And... You're married. You've been how long? You've been married. It's going to be twelve years. Twelve years, and so you've been in the kitchen together. You, you know food. You know a thing or two about being in a relationship. Coming up, we're going to take a call from a couple who's having a relationship crisis about pancakes. We'll see if we can help them. Stick around. It's time to open up a can of advertisements. If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out sweetconnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time at participating McDonald's. Select languages available. I love a great margarita, but great margaritas are hard to find, okay? Oftentimes they're too sweet, maybe they're too sour, too much salt. You gotta have a well-balanced margarita. You know something else that I love? Cracking open a beverage in a cold can on a hot summer day. And that is why I get so much pleasure from Cayman Jack. Legendary margarita-flavored cans, pre-mixed and ready to enjoy. You get the satisfaction of cracking open a can with all the delicious flavor of a margarita. Plus, cans are portable. You throw them in the cooler, you bring them to the beach, you bring them to a picnic. Crack margarita time. Cayman Jack is a pre-mixed margarita-flavored malt beverage that combines blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect refreshing flavor. The ultimate balance of salty, sweet, and sour every time. So next time you want to serve margaritas at a barbecue or bring them with you wherever you're going, you don't need to pack up a whole bar. Just fill a cooler with some Cayman Jack. Discover a legendary taste for yourself with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool, almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the choice hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. 
I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, before we get to our callers and their relationship question, I want to know, do you have a food dispute with a friend or loved one? Something that really causes tension in the relationship that has to do with food? If so, I want to hear from you. I might be able to help. Send me an email with your name, location, and the nature of your dispute to hello at sporkful.com, and we may have you on as a caller in a future episode. Again, that's hello at sporkful.com. Thanks. All right, now let's get to this week's caller. I'm with Sola and Ham L. Whaley, chefs and YouTube food stars. You two are also married to each other. Sola and Ham, you ready to take a call? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Hi, Dan. This is Tam calling from Maynard, Massachusetts, and I'm here with my husband, Robbie. Hey, Tam and Robbie. Say hi to my friend, Sola and Ham. Hello. Hey, Sola and Ham. Hey, how's it hey, going? Sola and Ham. So, Tam, what's going on? What can we help you with? Well... Since Robbie and I have gotten married uh, about five years ago, uh, we've had two kids and it's been sort of traditional to have pancakes on weekends, just like I had growing up. And over the years, I've noticed that the comments toward my pancakes have escalated. Um, What I thought was a normal pancake, aka one big giant pancake for each. My husband thinks they are too large and too thick, and he prefers pancakes that are small, thin, stupid pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so how thick? Oh, how thick? Um, Three quarters of an inch. Half an inch, but the right amount of size, the right surface area to really enjoy a full-on pancake on a weekend breakfast event. (laughs) How wide are your pancakes? I would say... They're sort of the size of my face. Whoa, that's a big pancake. That's a big, that is a big pancake. They fill a large dinner plate. Okay. 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 So do you flip these? Yes. And y'all are making it seem like they're obnoxiously big, but really they're the same size, <laughs> that you would, size you would get at an IHOP. Nobody goes to a restaurant and gets silver dollar pancakes unless they ask for them. And I don't know who those people are because those Pancakes are dumb. <laughs> I'm just impressed. Flipping a large pancake is difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. It takes two hands and she tells everyone to stand back. No, I do not. <laughs> that, I mean, that, I, I love a little theatrical touch in the kitchen. I have no problem mm-hmm, with exactly. telling everyone to stand back and using two hands to flip a pancake. I think that's a feature, not a bug. It gives uh, you a little hint of danger. Right. You always like that. Yeah. Robbie, let's hear your take. What's wrong with Tam's pancakes? So I definitely want to start off with Tam is a great cook, and I'm very appreciative of any pancake she makes, even if they are massive, could soak up an entire <laughs> bottle of syrup. So, but that being said, um, you know, I grew up with smaller, thinner pancakes with a stack of them, and the first time she dropped this enormous cake of a pancake, it's a little surprised. So what are the dimensions of your ideal pancake? Probably about six inches in diameter and thin. I'd rather have more than one giant one. How many are in a stack? 
I mean, if I had to picture the perfect commercial quality, it may be a, a stack of six. Whoa. Whoa. But maybe realistically eat two or three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And Robbie, why do you think those pancakes are better? You can add syrup as you go so that they don't soak up too much. By the end of one of Tam's pancakes, they're pretty, pretty syrup logged. <laughs> oh, okay. No. I have an accusation. <laughs> First okay. off. He, he talks about syrup like he douses it on, but that's not what actually happens. He does what now my daughter also does, in which they put it on the side and they tear pieces off the pancake and dip it into the syrup. So as much as he says that this giant pancake soaking up the syrup, reality, there is no syrup even touching the pancake until he literally dips it in. Whoa, the but, plot thickens. Yes. We're getting details. Is it the same pancake batter for both styles of pancake? Yes. For Christmas this year, I actually got, as a gag gift, a Swedish pancake pan, which you can make nine little pancakes at once. And I used the same batter, and I tried to make smaller pancakes um, and found that they still ended up thick. This is like a pan that has little wells in it that are yes. sort of custom-sized to hold, to make pancakes of a certain size. Yes, and it didn't work. And I couldn't flip them because flipping small pancakes, I think, is harder than flipping one giant one. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I only make one giant pancake is because I have things to do. I'm a mom and I'm I'm the one who generally cooks in the house. So I just want it over and done with. I don't want to mess around. It's hot when you get it. It's done. Clean the pan once. That's it. Robbie, that, that sounds like a pretty good point. I mean, if you're so upset about the pancakes, why don't you just cook them? No, that's a really good point. That's why I said it first. I'm very appreciative. They still taste good. We just have a strong difference of opinion on the size. So, Robbie, is it the diameter of the pancakes that bother you or the thickness? The thickness. To me, it's just, it's more like, it's more of a cake than a pancake. So, Sola and Ham, isn't that more a function of the batter than of the size that it's being poured out into? I mean, it's a little bit of both, but like you can, I've seen pancakes that are a foot in diameter and still very thin. Mm-hmm. Depends on like how thick, how the viscosity of the batter. The viscosity and I guess the leavening. Mm -hmm. Right. If there's a lot of leavening, it'll poof. What I'm surprised by is that you can get a pancake that wide, that thick. Because I would imagine when you're flipping a bigger pancake on the flip, you lose a lot of height. Mm -hmm. You're saying when you flip the the weight of the pancake itself, when it's flipped, it sort of smushes itself down when you flip it and that you lose height. Mm -hmm. Like I think that sounds like Tam is accomplishing something like Magical. Magical. Yeah, something. Could we, <laughs> would you mind sending us your pancake recipe? Yeah, we, need, we need to try it out yeah, ourselves I now. think more, more testing is required. Yeah. Interesting. I, I use the pancake batter. You literally just add water. Am I not adding enough water that it ends up like this? Because I swear when I flip them, they just, it just like poofs up even more. Oh, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that might, that right. might solve some problems. <laughs> well, the answer to most like cooking problems is usually add water. Mm. You know? Or take out water. Water water's involved. God, you guys went to culinary school. <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically what we learned. Like sometimes you add water, sometimes right. you take it out. Right. Cooking done. Here's your diploma. <laughs> I'm curious, Robbie. Tell me about your memories of pancakes growing up. For me, normally also on the weekends, and I remember my mom. She would just make a big bowl of pancake batter and she just kind of go probably, I don't know, what, 10, 15 minutes straight, just making more smaller pancakes. And I have, like I said, Tams are delicious. I have, I have no reason to dislike them. Just that's what set my perspective, what a normal pancake is. 
I mean, I really appreciate the iconic pancake stack. I totally get that, Robbie. And I think whichever one is more beneficial kind of depends on the setup in your kitchen. We have a big griddle pan, which makes it a lot easier to do multiple small pancakes. But if we didn't have that, then I think I would totally be on team giant pancake. Like if you're just using like a skillet, I think little pancakes are tough because you can't really fit more than three, maybe even two. But if you Mm -hmm. have a griddle, you can do like eight. We have a griddle and that's what I make the big pancakes on. Well. (laughs) (laughs) With the stack of little small pancakes, by the time you actually eat them, the bottom one is cold. The top one is cold. When you get one giant pancake, it's still hot. You can still melt stuff all over it. With those little ones, you're just like, you have to pick the right one or you're going to end up with this cold, crappy one. Because it has so much thermal mass. Tam, tell me about your memories of pancakes growing up. Well, my mom was a, a single mom and she's not a very good cook even to this day. So one of the few things, one of the few meals I remember are her pancake Sundays or whatever. And she would do the same exact thing as me where she'd just have, a very easy add water pancake mix. We'd get one or two giant pancakes each, and that was the meal. There was nothing else that went with it because that was your meal. It seems like you're both really like attached to these pancake sizes because of like nostalgia. I think we got mm-hmm. a classic case of a mom off here, Dan. That's what I think we got. <laughs> yeah, I think we got a mom off. Right? Whose whose mom did who, it better? Who, who's, whose mom want, is better? Right. They each want it. So whose mom is better? You guys. Robbie, is it fair to say that, you know, Tam said her mom was a single mom. She was, you know, working and all that. Would it be accurate to say that your mom had more time to devote to cooking when you were growing up than maybe Tam's mom did? Is that fair or unfair? That would be a fair assessment. Because you had this difference in the way that you grew up uh, with your moms being in different positions, like, is that ever a source of tension for you? Tam, is that ever for you like um, something that you struggle with, that you feel like? <laughs> it, it, I, I'm not pointing any fingers. It I think you be, hit a nerve. I, yeah. I, that laugh. This is, this that's is what like, we're doing. We're, we're, we're hitting nerves here. <laughs> if, if you're asking we're, we're, me if I have thoughts about how my mother differs than, than Bradley's mother and mother-in-law issues, then 100%. We could talk about that for, for days. But yes, it, it is very evident that she had and continues to have more time for motherly duties than my mother ever had. And it sort of also points to how I mother myself. And time-wise, even though I have more time than my mother ever did, I still feel like some of those things have been passed on in terms of efficiency and uh, the whole over and done with kind of concept that I have with cooking. I think that the solution to this is, Tam... You should continue making your pancakes. And Robbie, when you want little pancakes, you just got to go home. (laughs) 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 Or make them. Just make them yourself. Right. Right. Especially since you said it's the same batter. You can just have one batter. You got a griddle. You you tag in and out. It's my turn to make my big pancake. You you make your tiny pancakes. We do a lot of tag team cooking. Yeah. Oh, interesting. When we can't agree, we'll just switch Switch like off. we have we have our own preferences, mostly gravy related. Oh yeah. And when that's the case, we we make two different gravies because oh. I will not I will not eat a gravy thickened with roux, Tam. I will not do it. <laughs> <laughs> and no one will make me do it. And right. it's the only gravy I love. 
So we just make our own gravy. I think that's great advice. I would probably pick the bigger pancakes in this choice. I think the heat, the warmth of the pancakes is a very persuasive argument to me. You mm-hmm. want it you want it out of the griddle, you want it warm, you want to melt, melt the mm-hmm. butter on it. That being mm-hmm. said, like, I don't think one is objectively right or wrong. Have whatever pancakes you want. I think that it's more just about when families come together. This can, you know, you get grinding edges. Um, and sometimes those are pancake-shaped grinding sometimes edges. Those are pancakes. <laughs> right? Some of those edges are pancakes. Dan, you're really, like, going to the heart of the problem. Yeah, this is like, we're getting into couples therapy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know we're getting, getting this I deep. was about to bring up, like, procrastination, execution. I was you ready have to notes. Tam has notes. notes? Wow. wow. She's ready. Robbie, do you have notes? Oh, I have an entire page up on my computer screen right now. Wow. <laughs> Another item on my notes was that in 1994 in the United Kingdom, they f- was the largest pancake ever flipped at 49 feet in diameter. And I was going to say Tam's just a few hands away from being able to beat that record. <laughs> you better get in there now, though, Tam, before the kids get old enough to be brainwashed, and then you're, it's three on one. That's <laughs> right. You got to start winning them over now. If it's any consolation, when Robbie's mother makes the girls' pancakes, they do not eat them. Um, Whoa. Whoa. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Shots. You did it, Tam. You Shots. did it. I'm just, I'm just saying. We no, look, I mean, that's, I mean, why else have kids? Exactly. If not to brainwash them to make them just like you. Classic children fodder. <laughs> All right, well, Tam and Robbie, thanks so much for calling in, and we hope you enjoy your next pancakes, whatever diameter they may be. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks, Tam. Really appreciate it. I really want a pancake now. Sola and Ham El Whaley, chefs and hosts of the YouTube series Mystery Menu with Sola and Ham from New York Times Cooking. Sola also does ancient recipes with History Channel YouTube. Um, they've created their own blend with burlap and barrel, a spice blend called Pizza Party. Yeah. T- tell me something surprising you put it on Sola that you enjoyed. Anything with cheese. Mac and cheese, grilled cheese, quesadilla. It also makes an amazing Italian dressing. Just make like oh. a little vinaigrette, some olive oil, some lemon, hit of Italian seasoning. You don't need that jar anymore, baby. You don't need that jar at all. <laughs> you got pizza party. Uh-huh. So burlapandbarrel.com, get the pizza party. Well, Sola and Ham, this has been a blast. Let's do this again sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies when you're having a meaningful yet fun conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of Sola and Ham's pizza party seasoning, how would you like to win a jar of it? Well, the folks at Burlap and Barrel have been nice enough to offer to give away jars to three lucky listeners. To enter, subscribe to the Sporkful's newsletter at sporkful.com slash newsletter by September 4th. If you're already on our mailing list, you're already entered into this and all of our giveaways. So you, you want to be on that list, okay? Again, that's sporkful.com slash newsletter. Next week on the show, in France, it's actually against the law for workers to stay at their desks during lunch hour. So how did this become the law? And what happens when an expat finds herself having to adapt to this new routine? You'll find out that's next week. Meanwhile, don't forget to check out my conversation with Alexander Smalls. Did I mention he made me grits? They were so good, almost as good as the conversation itself. See what I did there? Anyway, it's a great episode. Check it out. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producers... Andres O'Hara. And... Johanna Mayer. Our editor is... Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is... Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. 
The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Eric Eddings and Colin Anderson. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Alice in Ottawa, Ontario, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.